Welcome to Promo Cares Radio, where we dive into the good being done in the promotional products industry. From general philanthropy to cause marketing to giving programs, we're here to shine a light on those inspiring stories that are helping to improve the world through promo. And now, Promo Cares Radio with your host, Roger Burnett. My name is Roger Burnett, co-founder and president of Promo Cares and VP of Sales and Marketing for Branded Logistics. Promo Cares is a 100% volunteer initiative created to lift up and recognize companies in the promotional products industry using their businesses as superpowers for social good. We help suppliers, distributors, decorators, service providers, and end buyers alike become a bridge for positive social impact. We do this through best practice sharing, online and offline collaboration efforts, and helping organizations with their give back work by marketing their efforts and telling their stories. I'm super pleased to welcome Marshall Atkinson in the co-host chair today for today's episode, as Marshall has a great relationship with today's guest and has deep knowledge in the subject we'll be covering. What's up, Marshall? Hey, I'm happy to be here, Roger. Thanks for having me to help out. You betcha, man. So one day after school in the spring of way back in 1999, Ryan Moore screen printed his first shirt to help promote his band. At the time, Ryan didn't imagine that screen printing punk rock t-shirts would lead down a path that would create amazing opportunity, supply knowledge, provide jobs, and start businesses. Growing up on a small farm in Battleground, Washington, Ryan learned about hard work and ethics at a young age from his family. Young Ryan was influenced by his parents' participation in Amway where he learned about free enterprise and the American dream. After a short stint in junior college, Ryan decided that the University of Rock and Roll was more attractive and hit the road touring and recording with his band, using money primarily from t-shirt sales to fund that dream. This DIY spirit took hold with other bands who sought Ryan's expertise to replicate his efforts and the makings of an enterprise were born. Fast forward to 2004 when his website, silkscreeningsupplies.com, took off. And the rest, as they say, is history. By staying focused on educating other screen printers in addition to selling them products, Ryan was able to grow his company, Ryanet, to the industry titan that it is today, along with the amazing projects in which he has been a part and will frame today's discussion. In 2010, shortly after its six-year anniversary, Ryanette landed on the Inc. 500-5000 list as one of the fastest growing privately held companies in the United States, and the trend has been straight up since then. He spends much of his time learning and striving to be a better leader for the company, and outside of work, Ryan enjoys spending time with his wife, Amanda, and their twin sons. So welcome in, Ryan. Man, we're super excited to have you today. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. You bet. So... Ryan, from your spot in the industry, you've been witness to pretty much everything that goes into the manufacturing of apparel. And I think it's safe to say what you've seen isn't always pretty. And I know that I'm as guilty as anyone in not paying attention to the entirety of our industry's supply chain. You know, it's one of those like, what could I, as one guy, do about whatever problems that come along with getting a t-shirt for what we all think is a reasonable price? But having said that, though, man, what you and a few others, members of your band have done to combat this is nothing short of inspiring. And I was turned on to your story about All Made by Marshall. And 
I thought this would be an amazing story for the Promo Cares audience to hear. And I just as an aside, I wanted to share with you, I I shared the all made video with my wife last night, kind of as a precursor to what I was going to be doing today. And she was moved and touched and inspired and basically told me we really probably shouldn't be buying any other brand of t-shirts from this point forward. So I just thought I'd share that with you, but you okay with sort of how I frame that as being the, how we'll handle the topic today? Yeah, Roger. That's good to go. All right, man. Cool. So let's get into it. So um, as is the case, often when we do this, before we jump into more of the social good, I like to give people a chance to uh, contextualize their own business. So let's talk about Ryanette just a little bit. So, you know, if you were going to humble brag on Ryanette for a second, you know, what, what would you want listeners to know about the business? Well, kind of back to your interesting kind of tying all together with t-shirts and everything. So we, we were punk rock screen printers. I honestly hated the shirts because we printed like on Fruit of the Loom cheap shirts because you got to sell punk rockers don't have any money. And I never wanted to wear them. I'd, I'd find shirts that were soft and, you know, old, like from the 80s, you know, from Value Village and Goodwill and stuff and wear those or screen find some blank ones every once in a while screen print on those. But yeah. really, um, that's that's how we got started. And we didn't know anything. I mean, in the world of screen printing, there's this thing called off contact. And off contact is what makes a screen print happen on a t-shirt. I didn't know what that was till two years after I started writing it. <laughs> so, I mean, we were, we were really bad screen printers. So we went through that journey of trying to struggle through the screen printing process. And that's really what, you know, you mentioned it, like educating the, because we had no choice. We didn't start a supply company. We started a start screen printing company. So we helped people get started in the business like we were getting started. And through our learning process, we just shared that. So I was, I've been so fortunate to hire team members that have done it before that have worked for some of the biggest companies in, in the U S and have are experts in this space. And by teaching me and then going on YouTube and teaching our customer base and basically disseminating that knowledge and making it free and available for everyone, we've grown really, you know, over the past 14 years, closing on 15 years to be one of the bigger players in the industry. We've helped over 125,000 screen printers start Huge percentage of those have gone on to be some of the biggest players today. Um, I love the life, the energy, the creative part of that. We get to be, we call it powering the print. It's the power behind every single print that we help create. Our supply chain, we touch about 500 million shirts every year through our supply chain. Now, that's, it could be a press that's being printed that shirt. It could be an ink that's going on that shirt. It could be chemicals used to clean the screens. It could be the screen itself. That's about how much we, we touch in the screen printing supply chain, which is a huge portion of the overall U.S. and North America supply chain. So that's exciting thing to be a part of. I love the growth aspect of it. I love helping people. You know, when I got into space, it was on the tail end of being disrupted. It all got disrupted through the 90s, went, got outsourced, got overseas, lower pricing, and a lot of the U.S. business went away. So I, I thought the information in the industry was really kept secret and the overall attitude was negative. And so seeing that positivity, seeing that creation, that opportunity, and the rock and roll and the, the art that's in this industry again today is super exciting to, to be a part of. And we're humble and uh, grateful to, to have to made it to this far and exciting to go to the next step. And we're actually getting behind the print and going into the t-shirt side of the equation with all made. No doubt. And I'm sure 
you've got to be gratified with the notion of having been around for the genesis of so many screen printing businesses across the country. Like it's, it's one thing to be successful for yourself, but you know, the idea of being able to spread success beyond yourself in a lot of ways, like for people who are gratified by doing that, like that, that's more valuable than money in a lot of ways when you say. Absolutely. It's something that has made me really fall in love because when we started the company, we didn't submit, I didn't even know what Inc. 5000 was. You know, when we started, we went from literally me in my bedroom to an $8 million a year company in less than 18 months. And so we probably would have been like number one or two on that list if I didn't know what the hell that was um, out of the gate. Right. And what was exciting to me was that growth and then being a part of that customer growth. But the screen printing process, and the t-shirt, that was never really exciting to me. You know, I didn't like the products that we created in my band. I never wore them myself. And the industry was rather negative. But then five years into it, and when my twins were born, you kind of look at your life and in retrospect say, hey, is this something I want to do long term? And I looked at the customers who had started with us five years earlier, four years earlier, three years earlier, what they were doing now, the jobs they were creating, the businesses that they were building and and how many of them physically were. I think at that time, it was about 30,000 that we'd help start. And I was like, what other industry am I going to go out there and be a part of that you get to be a part of a creative process, you get to be a part of entrepreneurship, you get to be a part of all these different aspects that are that one person would love to be a part of an entrepreneurship journey. One person would love to be a part of a creative process. We get to be a part of all of that through this print process. And so that was really yeah, no where doubt. I decided this is something we're going to do long term. This is what I'm going to dedicate my life to. And and it's been a whole new level since then. Yeah, I mean, just the sheer magnitude of the growth in that condensed period of time. I mean, that that had to be crazy in and of itself, right? I mean, a- any business person, if you were to tell them on the day that they launched their business, that in 18 months that they have going to grown to the size that you had grown. I mean, there's a lot of people that wouldn't have been, have been even able to manage that kind of scale. So props to you, man, for, for having, bringing that attitude to work every day and, and wanting to, to fight through and figure out how to get to, to where you're at today, you know? Um, but you know, you're, you're totally right. Like I, I can remember, uh, I I'm on my 15th year in promotional products myself. So our time in the industry starts to coincide with one another. And, I can remember when we would do larger t-shirt orders. I worked for a rather sizable promotional products distributor to start my career. And, you know, we, we were doing thousands of t-shirts at a time as opposed to, you know, the 144, 288 run. And, you know, it almost invariably was the heaviest 100% cotton just feels like a tank on you know, boxy as could be, the girls are having to tie them in knots on the side in order to even have it make sense for them. Just sort of like, you know, limited colors, limited styles, just what what a difference in the industry that we've seen when it comes to the evolution of the t-shirt, but it's come at a cost, right? So like, sure, we have tri-blends now and, you know, we've got slub and pretty burnout teas and pretty much, you know, anything that you can see at retail, we generally in the industry can get our hands on. But, you know, what I've heard over and over and over again from guys like Marshall is, sure, the shirts might be more retail oriented in nature, but the overall quality of the product has taken a hit. 
And I think in a lot of ways, you know, we'll unpack that a little bit as to why that might be the case. But you know, I, I kind of touched on it in the open, this notion of how T-shirts have managed to really remain unchanged from a pricing perspective in 15 years, that 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 cost has to be borne somewhere, right? And so um, while you watch the apparel industry just completely explode from a growth perspective, you know, there, there's definitely these unseen costs that are going on in the, in the, in the backstory. So really what I, what I wanted to do was spend a little bit of time like here in this moment, talking about your experience, watching how the garments have changed and what some of those effects might've been. So like, where do you come out on that? Yeah. I mean, I'll speak to that in what, in one way, I think American apparel definitely led the charge in creating a better quality, higher, higher value shirt. And they did, they did. I mean, alternative also helped with that. But they did it in a way of like they made a retail brand. It was sexy. Obviously, there was so much other stuff behind that brand. I, I know Dove, and you know it's he's got so many interesting things about him. I'll just put it that way. But um, it's it's when that company fell apart because of all that stuff in the background um, that just wasn't sustainable. It that that value got kind of degraded in these high quality shirts are still out there, but now they're selling at half the price of what American Apparel is selling for. You know, as far as a a ring spun cotton shirt, and you can import them for, you know, fifty sixty percent less than that if you go direct to Bangladesh or to India. And so now, you got fashionable shirts that are obviously better quality that are selling for not much more than the bulk of the carded open end cotton shirts, which are those box cut shirts, which honestly are still the bulk of the, the volume is in that, in, in that product category. I was just last night, I was driving and passing some guys doing the election thing. They're holding up election signs, you know, and they have all white gilded, you know, probably five thousands on over other shirts. These shirts are a hundred percent going to be thrown away the minute they get off the street corner, you know? Right. And I'm just like, why? Why would anyone go through all that work to design that shirt, to print it, to wear it over another shirt because it's not good enough to wear on its own, and then it's going to get thrown away, you know? And so it's just – it's crazy what we go through in the industry now. And what we want to do, it started out with quality. You know, we wanted – like quality was when I put it on, I never wore, if you look at my initial videos, I was in a freaking like dress, uh, express dress shirt, fitted dress shirt in a tie for five years, screen printing videos. I look like the biggest idiot, you know, (laughs) um, like a business guy trying to teach people how to screen print. It's because I hated the freaking shirts. When I put on an American apparel shirt with water-based ink, I was like, what is this? This is amazing. I'm home, you know, and, and so that was, it started out with quality. Like how do you create a, a better quality shirt should be worth more, you know? And if we can drive value into it through quality of product, through, you know, quality of process that makes that product, then that value should be worth more. And what, what's been happening since that kind of American apparel value product went is now you're. Yeah, even in the past, since like Bella and Next Level have really been competing on that 100% cotton level, their price on that shirt's gone down 15% wholesale in the last two years since it came out. So they're just, it's a battle to the bottom. And no one's focusing on, at the end of the day, what you pay for a shirt, whether it's a cardigan shirt or a ring spun shirt, is 
is less than we pay for a coffee, you know? Right. And, and it's, it's just not adding any value back to the supply chain. It's taking as much. What I say is it gives the little, little amount of value into the, the people and the processes that make it. And it takes the most amount of value out of the environmental resource base that creates it to give the least you know, valuable product to what we think we need to survive on in the promo world or the screen print world of the fashion world. And if we just tweak that equation a little bit, I think we're all going to be better off and we're going to have a better, because we're the second most wasteful industry on the environment. You know, one of the notorious lowest, lowest wage earner industries worldwide. So we can add, we can change that equation. And at the end of the day, everyone that wears a shirt, you, I'd love, like my vision would be 10 years from now, you're driving by and somebody's wearing an election shirt and it, it's a kick-ass design, sweet shirt. They're only wearing that and you know it's not going to be thrown away. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, t- we talk about cost per impressions, right? And we say the most expensive t-shirt that you s- sell somebody is the one that they wear once and don't wear ever again, right? Absolutely. So Ryan, why don't you kind of walk us through uh, the story of you being approached at the trade show with the whole Haiti thing and how Alma got formed? So back to that that original vision of like we got if we can make a quality shirt product and we can supply it to the market that matched a great print with a great shirt, that would be that would be amazing. I mean. We touched 500 million shirts a year through our supply chain. If we could just sell a fraction of those shirts into that supply chain, our entire business model is you know, now accentuated drastically. And so that was always the original concept, how that was going to come about, when that was going to come about. It was always the manana plan because that's going to cost a lot of money to build. Are we right. going to partner with somebody? You know, um, but we we knew we wanted to make a great shirt. We knew we wanted to make a shirt that was that made helped make a great print. And we were at was at this trade show, ISS show in Long Beach, probably one of the biggest shows in this space at least on this side every year, every January. And this was in 2016, so approaching three years, about two and a half years ago today. Um, this guy walks up to me at the beginning of the show. I'm talking to our, our team, and I think we had 30 people there. And sometimes this industry can seem rather vain. I mean, no one really has to have a printed T-shirt, you know. Um, no one really has to have a promo ad, you know. But we're not like start with why. I love that book, Simon Sinek. Start with why, you know, bringing in that story into your team to really give your team and yourself the conviction to go out and do something in the world, and. What are we doing? We're making shirts with a print on it, but not really. You know, that's the speech I was giving to my team. What we're doing is we're creating a job. What we're doing is helping somebody put food on their table. What we're doing is creating opportunity. And yeah, t-shirts might not cure cancer, but guess what raises money to cure cancer? T-shirts, you know? Yeah. And so after that, this guy walks up to me and he, he tells me the story of how they're they're trying to solve this orphan crisis in Haiti and he's kind of fumbling his way through it of like orphans there's like 80% of them actually have parents. They they just can't afford to keep them. And we started orphan care down there. As a result, we just started 
there's an endless supply. It's 800,000 orphans in just Haiti alone, but they're not orphans. They're economic orphans. So if you start an orphanage, people are going to abandon their kids because they think they're going to have a better life and or they can't physically take care of them because they have no means to take care of them. And you're just going to have an endless supply of orphanages it's like a business. And so they said they switched the model. They're creating living wage jobs. They're breaking the cycle. They're teaching these orphan kids as they age out of the system from 16 to 18 living wage job skills. They start an apparel factory to make t-shirts and it's completely changing this whole cycle of orphan, you know, abandonment and, and empowerment of job creation. Cause it's really powerful. When you think about the times in your guys's career where you got that promotion or you landed your first gig in an industry, um, how much more confidence that gave you in life and how much yeah. more ability that gave you to go out and impact everyone around you, whether it be your family, your community, your, your, your influence and make it better. And so that's what these guys were doing. He just got back from Haiti. You could just tell the fire in his eyes and his voice. And he's like, would you guys, we can't build enough t-shirts. We thought we would be able to sell enough t-shirts through our, you know, nonprofit organization, but we can't do it. We can't create enough jobs. We're struggling. Could you guys help us do it? And at least learn more about it. And obviously I said, yeah, that's, we definitely could learn more about it. And that kind of began the journey of what is now all made, uh, which which ended up, you know, being a course 16 was pretty much that journey from beginning January to the end um, to our trip, you know, down to Haiti with about 26 different screen print shops, uh, 20 screen, I think 11 different screen print shops with 26 people from those shops in December of that year. Um, and going, opening up the door to all the different variables from the, not just the living wage and the manufacturing model of who does it and how we pay them and how we take care of them and what that affects the economies and the, the countries that everything's made in to then the environmental impact of the fashion industry and the fabric. So let's talk about a little bit about how all made is different in the shirt with uh, your fiber content and kind of how your take, uh, what you're doing different than, than other shirt manufacturers. So we started out with this idea of making a shirt that has a living wage model. We meet this company for Kansas City nonprofit called Global Orphan Project that started this initiative. And they come up to Vancouver, Washington. They're showing us this fabric. They're like, we start asking questions. Where's this fabric from? And they're like, it's from India. Like, well, who <laughs> makes it? You know, uh, they're like, I don't know. It's just from India. Uh, <laughs> can you tell us anything about it? You know, and we were still at this time approaching it from the living wage model. We're like, okay, so essentially you could have a great factory and amazing here in Haiti, but we could be ruining people's lives in India. And somebody's going to dig into that and find that out. So that's a, that's a non-starter, you know. And so literally we said that was a non-starter and that we stopped the conversation for three months. Three months later, they came back. They're like, we found the you know, American Apparel just got bought out by Gil and they're completely changing the supply chain over. We found out who's making their fabric in the U.S., you know. I'm like, okay, U.S., it's got to be better. The labor standards got to be better. Now we can start this conversation again. So my first trip, to Haiti was it started actually in the Carolinas visiting a company called CCW Carolina Cotton Works who makes the fabric they made fabric for American Apparel they make fabric for Patagonia they make fabric for Giant they make fabric for a lot of these uh, brands out there and seeing their process seeing their environmental control standards seeing the fact that they 
reuse the energy from their, you know, dying, you know, dryers to heat the heat the water. You know, it's like how that system works and vetting that supply chain system and learning about that. So I think at the time I didn't even know what a 30 singles was, you know. So that whole fabric of that f- knowledge base of what it takes to build a fabric the from thread to to the weave, I mean the knit, uh, and it's all of all of that just started to compound on that time. And then going into Haiti and really being convicted about how to really change this part of the world and other parts of the world, hopefully in the, in the future. Um, and these kids lives that are now being abandoned by their parents and their parents having the ability to take care of them. These kids having the ability to take care of their parents and, um, came out with the concept of starting all made doing it with us fabric, doing it with, um, 12 shops. The goal was to get 12 shops only to start it, to start really small. And then, that's basically was the next part of that year of finding 12 people to go back to Haiti and start to build this. And we found 12 screen printing shops that were from all different parts of the industry, from boutique to brand to, to production, to water-based, to plast salts, from Maui to Knoxville, Tennessee, and all like this diff, different collective to help us build this, this shirt. And so when we started making the fabric choices, one of the guys on our team, his name is Roger, he was really convicted on the environmental side, which I'm really appreciative of that because that is something that is huge. And, and he's like, because we're like, well, it's going to cost more. It's going to cost more to use Modal than it is Rayon. Modal is it has is a much more sustainable process. It's a better quality fiber. It's going to cost more. It's going to cost more to use recycled polyester than regular polyester. It's going to cost more to use organic cotton than regular cotton. And so those decisions, as we started to build this shirt, became decisions that we were based on not just price, but also on what it did. And um, the book that that he encouraged me to read that really opened my eyes to the backside of the, the apparel industry was a book called um, Let My People Go Surfing from the, the Patagonia team, uh, founder of Patagonia. And that just it completely changed my perception of stuff that I had no clue about. So, so, so talk a yeah, great, so I, I one I've not read. So as I sit here and scribble real quick, so, uh, so Ryan, like, what what was the the prevailing theme from that book that that was so impactful to you that that really pushed you in that direction? Well, Patagonia is a just a golden, you know, a, a shining star in this space, right? Because they've they've been doing this for since the eighties. I mean using organic cotton, using recycled polyester, um, it, keeping a very closed loop supply chain, domestic and, and Northern Central America and South America versus going to Asia um, for a, like most people do. So you cut down on transportation costs and what Patagonia does that it's amazing is how much, how good of quality the products they make, how long they last and the fact that they have repair centers that repair their fabrics and their shirts so that you don't have to throw them away. Um, yeah. And so it's this amazing thing. So all of that, like how much, I didn't know one third of the weight of a cotton shirt was chemicals, you know, formaldehydes, pesticides, herbicides that go into making that. I had no clue. All I knew is that when I put on a cotton shirt, it would itch. All I knew is that when you go into a screen printing shop, that's doing a large production run of cotton shirts, especially lower end quality cotton shirts that don't get processed as much everyone gets headaches, you know, 
that's what I knew. I didn't know why. You know, that was one of the things that came out of that, you know? And so just a micro. So as we d- decided to build this, we started to think of like, wow, this is a big, this is a big deal, you know? Um, and it, it does, it, it's a choice. It's, it's all a choice that we make. And we, when we make, made the choice to build the shirt with the people that were going to buy the shirt, we made the choice to make it better. And that's kind of turned into our tagline of just make it better. Cause that's make it better what we're yeah. and so all right so, so i want to i want to back up the the uh conversation just a second though because i'm promo cares radio oftentimes we talk about this concept of tribe and clearly when you have a group of people who have made this type of decision to benefit the world as a whole uh, that's to me like it's the it's the essence of tribe so but how difficult was it to find the first 12? Like, did you, did you know, kind of, did you have an idea already of, of who might be some of the people that would want to come along on that journey? Or, I mean, talk, talk a little bit about what, what that looked like in arriving at, at the 12 shops that we're going to work on this together. Well, it's basically every single business venture that we start, we fire bullets. It's a concept from, Great by choice. It's follow up from Good to Great, Jim Collins' book that we've integrated into our, you know, guiding principles of our company. And so I always start with ten or ten, between ten and twenty tries. And if out of ten tries you get ten, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. that's that's great. If you, if you get out of ten tries, you get seven. That's great. Out of ten tries, you get one. That's it's a non-starter. So the concept of starting with twelve was. It didn't happen until I was down in Haiti. I took my kids, my twin boys, and my wife on my first trip. I didn't take anyone else from my team. I took them, and we kind of went as a family because I knew that if this was going to happen, it's going to be a huge sacrifice from a business, from a funding, from all that perspective, from time. And my family is probably going to be the most impacted uh, out of all of it. So, so that's the concept. But it was it just followed this original concept of firing bullets. And so I pitched 15 shops and some of them were very evident, like Brett Bowden from Printed Threads. He's one of our training partners. I had been doing a lot more work with him, kind of developing a friendly relationship with him at the time. So I pitched him, um, I think second, the first person I pitched was a partner that has a brand and, and does a lot of branding for, for us. Um, and out of 15 pitches, 12 said wow. yes. Um, out of those 12, 11 were able to come to Haiti with us. Um, the the 12th guy, I wanted a diverse set. So we have everyone in our founder group from, you know, you know, different eth- ethnicities to different, you know, like we have a LGBT like uh, brand. We have women owned shops. We have like, I wanted a very diverse yeah, that's set. Great. So one of the guys was Muslim. That was a print shop up here in Portland, Iraqi, and unfortunately his his father died like the the week of our trip. So he was the only one out of that twelve that was not able to go. And then um, we had another guy pull out of the founding group that he just didn't quite grasp the concept of everything everything that we were trying to do because it's a you go down to that and you're surrounded by all this just world changing experience, life changing experience, and he just didn't quite want to sign up for it at that time. He's still a partner and he's actually still selling all made, but he didn't become a founder. So we added that 12, we got 10 that stuck. 
in that founding period. Yeah. So I, so a like huge ups on you for going and taking the family just by yourself first. Like uh, we've, we've been in, in the area of Haiti and any American that you encounter when you suggest a trip to Haiti, like it's, it's not usually met with like a, a, a round of applause and like, yeah, let's all go down to Haiti. So, um, but let, let's talk a little bit about that bigger trip when you took everybody down there. Like wh- what, what, what did you witness? What was, what was, I can only imagine what that must've been like. You, you, you're talking about it being a transformative experience, but, but share a little bit with the listener, kind of the mechanics and, and what you saw when you were there, when that all went down. So first of all, we had uh, 11 different screen print shops from all different parts of the country, all different belief systems. Uh, the one thing they had in common was screen printing. So one of the cool things about, and Marshall knows this, you know, you go to these trade shows, you hang out with all these like-minded people. It's probably some of the funnest experiences that we get to experience on the kind of the teaching, education, supply, you know, consulting side of the industry to hang out with our customers. And, um, but none of them knew each other either. So it was super awkward at first, you know, we're like, we get on this bus, this bus fits like maybe 22 comfortably and we're cramming 29 people into it. So it is, it's hot as hell. It's uncomfortable. There's, you know, you're, you're staying essentially in a compound. Uh, One of my Haitian friends now, last night he called it a jail. (laughs) He's like, you guys... You guys go to Haiti and you get taken by, you get picked up in the airports in a jail bus and they take you to jail. Cause it literally is like, they it's, it's surrounded by barbed wire, 12 foot tall fences, security guards all the time. And it's for our safety because crap can happen and, and they don't want anyone to, to be affected by that. I've grown to know Haiti is a completely different, beautiful country. You know, that is, I would be comfortable traveling by myself in now. Um, but you know, you never know when something's going to a couple a month ago, there was horrible riots. And so you never know when something like that's going to go down. That's why we always take those security precautions. Um, so it was, it was a, it was awesome to go down there and all these different, I remember, so we were coming up with our core values and designing our product. And one of the the things is, are we going to have our brand on this product? You know, the most valuable brands in the industry the Nike, the Under Armour, they wear their brand proudly on their product. So we were going to do it as a hem tag, but we have half the guys on the production side that were like, we are never going to sell this product to anyone if you put your brand mark on it. You know, no other brands going to include this. So we literally had Dustin from Nothing Too Fancy, who's a, from Knoxville, Tennessee. This guy's huge. He looks like a, the most badass biker you've ever met. And Brett Bowden from Texas is a production brand, you know, brand for screen printer. And they're like getting in a fight on this rooftop over a hem tag, you know, I literally, I thought they were going to fight and you have like Mel from Sandy Lake. Who's a, a woman don't, she was on shark tank. She's awesome. She's over there trying to calm them both down. So they're not going to fight. And so this is like one experience of, but through that, all that kind of struggle, we ended up coming up with the name. We came up with the, the values, the guiding principles. And, um, it was just an awesome, like, super experience. I don't think you'd ever, every single trip that we go on, if you guys ever get a chance to go, I definitely recommend it because it's every single one's life changing. And like, I don't think I may or may not have cried on that first trip. The last trip I was on, I literally bawled 
Like I bawled because somebody that I knew in the industry had the same experience that, that I had. And he literally said it to me. He's like, I'm here. I've always considered myself like the captain of my four walls and to make my life, my employees lives as best as I can to affect my community. And I'm here and I'm seeing now these walls are, they've just expanded to Haiti. And the moment he said that, like I couldn't, like, I was like, cause that's the exact same feeling that I had when I was down there. And um, I'm getting emotional talking about it right now, but, but it's every single trip is life changing. But that first trip that we went on was just unique. Um, and the, the factory that we go to, you go do business in third world countries. First of all, the employee relationship is totally separate. You don't make really even eye contact with the people that are working in the factories. And even in our factory, even though we're paying people and treating them much better, it's got amazing standards. It's like that just because it's culture. And um, you got business owners that come in there. They're all in suits. They all drive fancy cars. They're all there to take as much out of the country as they can for as least as possible. And um, we literally, our nonprofit CEO was meeting with the government when we all walked into the factory and it looked like a, he calls it a group of ragamuffins. I call it a group of like bikers and punk rockers and spring <laughs> printers go up to this factory, 26 of us. And he's like, we had been down there. We had been trying to do this for two years. We'd been struggling. We thought our, our churches were going to give us business. We thought our, our private colleges were going to give us business. They, they wanted cheaper shirts. They wouldn't give us business. And, and we've just been struggling trying to just make it through this first stage. And you guys show up literally as I'm talking to the, the government, trying to get, you know, you know, uh, other support. And it just felt like the cavalry, you know, arrived. And, um, that was probably the coolest things out of that whole thing is just to, just the being in a different part of the world, being a different with all these different people. Um, and that's pretty much what every, every trip that we take, we call it bring the fire. And the, the way to catch the fire is to go down as Haiti is hot as hell. And there's no way you're coming back. I'm not on fire. So, <laughs> right. Well, I like, I can only imagine. So uncomfortable, hot jail boss, go to like, if it were me, I suspect that my first reaction would have been like, what the hell did we do? Like, what, you know, like what, yeah. what have we gotten ourselves into? So in, in that process, as you're all there, like, did you watch that transformation happen? Was there like a moment besides the the near fight on the rooftop? Cause two guys are fighting about a hem tag. That tells me you've got two people who have already made their decision. They want to be involved, but was there like that moment that, that, that pivot point where you could tell that like, all right, yep. Like, this is going to go down or was it like once you got off the bus, everybody kind of rallied and and knew that this was something that they wanted to do. Yeah. I, I always knew it was going to happen, but I didn't know how it was going to go. And so, yeah, I think you see people passionately get involved in stuff and, and then literally people's lives being changed, them, them breaking down, you know, having life changing experiences in this, place that's so outside of everything else we've ever known in our life um was just like you knew it was it was special you knew it was going to happen um and and then we just went went from there but yeah it was just it was a feeling it's not like anyone said this is happening but it was just like you could start to tell after that it's probably like about halfway into the trip you just start to tell this is all gelling together and it's going to work 
So bring us up to date with what's going on now. What's the what's the results of all that? What are sales good? People catching on? You're getting more than just your original twelve. So kind of so where are you in, today? We didn't launch to open market, um, and we still say I, I say we say limited market. We only have we're still working on a tribal end. Um, we had a U.S. cotton shirt. We're discontinuing the U.S. cotton shirt because it's not organic. So we're switching to a organic cotton from a, a vetted supply chain out of India, um, which is really one of the only vetted supply chains. Organic cotton, like organic cotton, just it was a push about 10, 15 years ago. One less than one percent of the U.S. production is organic cotton, and uh, pretty much Patagonia and other brands have that all wrapped up. Um, so, so uh, the tribal and then and then we've been able to expand to a limited market. So if you need access to Allmade and you're a reseller, we vet the reseller permit, we vet the you know, tax ID and, and license to sell it, and then we can add you on as a distributor. So we definitely have open market. We just launched open market this summer um, so that you could apply for a, a license to sell essentially. And we've been able to really ramp production up to the point of now we just need to sell more. Um, we've produced, we're just getting to the point of producing a million shirts and uh, it's going to be a pretty cool milestone just just to let you know the impact of that and these are all choices every time you sell a shirt it's a choice and roger you're saying with your wife it's like how could you sell any other shirt and so it's it's incredible that choice and when somebody realizes the impact of that choice so the impact for us to to move a million shirts into the market I'm just going to give you some, and these are estimates. So these are not like 100% vetted numbers, but these are pretty close estimates from our gathering. So a million shirts, the way we make a shirt over your average cotton shirt or your average 50-50 shirt. Water savings, somewhere between, if it's a 50-50, it's only half the water savings, 100% cotton, it's all the water savings. So somewhere between 250 and 490 million gallons of water not used wow to use to use our shirt and not just water use when because when you use cotton still uses the majority of the water in the process modal that we use 25 percent of instead of 50 50 uses six percent of the environmental resource that cotton uses so modal barely uses any water versus cotton organic cotton still needs cotton water to grow but when it runs off the field and back into the water supply it's not laced with pesticides and herbicides with our shirt right so 490 million gallons of water not used chemicals so if you look at your average weight of a shirt um in ounces your shirt weighs like what 4.6 ounces 4.3 ounces depending on the shirt so if you look at that average on ounces and go into pounds that's 95,000 pounds of chemicals that we did not use to make our shirts. 95,000 pounds. Oil. Virgin polyester comes from oil. Crude oil. Like we're, we're recycling water bottles instead of using virgin polyester. 143,000 pounds of oil that we did not use, which is about 63 drums of oil. Um, instead we used 6 million water bottles, recycled them, took them out of landfills and kept them from going back into the environment and turned that into polyester. And then we ended up through the process creating enough work for a year for over like close to 
close to 80 jobs. Um, and so in days, uh, it's 10,000 job days, uh, but for over the course of the year, and then each job's taking care of a of living wage household and community of about eight people. So that's, you know, over 500 people's lives that are completely shifted and changed in, the, in where we're manufacturing. And that was just the choice to do it or not, you know? So when you have the choice to, to sell a thousand shirt order and you're looking at 400,000, 90 gallons of water. 96 pounds of chemicals, 144 pounds of oil, or 6,000 water bottles, and giving work for 10 days to somebody that supports 80, 80 days of living wage life in the country that's making it. And that's just one sale. It's crazy. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. So uh, <laughs> after all said and done, when you look back on your journey so far, what, what has been your key takeaway for that? What have you learned that you can maybe give somebody else well, an inspiration? I've learned about this thing called faith. <laughs> and, and it's like not from the religious sense, but just the fact that like, first of all, like a lot of people think that we, we, the, you know, you use religion or a church or, or whatever to change the world. It's really business that's going to change the world. You know, nonprofits, churches, they do great things. But if we all, there's not enough money in the world that can be donated to solve the problems that we face environmentally, socially. So it's, we have to create change through, through commerce that actually creates a sustainable revenue source to actually have the impact. So all those choices, all those sales, all our choices of what we buy and what we consume or what we sell, or what we build as a company, um, those are all the things that can change the world. And so that realization has been huge. And that's made our why, our reason so much more powerful, so much more convicted. I, I think people told me at the start of this, like, dude, you're crazy. It's never going to work. It's going to be so hard. You're up against Gildan. You're up against Haynes. You're up against Fruit of the Loom. You're up against these guys. You know, American Apparel just went bankrupt. If they couldn't do it, there's no way you could do it. And I would say that they're all 100% right. Uh, it's been extremely hard. But that's when that faith comes in. That's when that conviction of actually doing something through your business, through your life, through the community, which is our industry that we're involved in, to make this impact. Um, and the fact that we get to the very end of a rope and you just have faith that that rope's either going to extend, or you're going to be able to hold on and climb back up. And, and every single time we've been able to do that, um, it's been incredibly life-changing and just, you don't grow as a person, as a business without going through a massive amount of struggle and hardship. And, uh, I, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that struggle, for that. It, it builds perseverance, it builds grit, and that's what's going to teach us the best lessons and allows us to go to the next level. Well, and just as an aside, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about the employees and how their lives have been transformed to the point where, you know, you have to suspect that they're living in places where there are other people who are not employees of your of the organization. And just the, the massive difference in the lives of those two families by comparison, just by virtue of your determination and willingness to have faith in the, the outcome being what you hoped it to be. And um, what Dominic, I, I meant to write it down. What, what does Dominic say in the video about when businesses get together? Like, what's that saying? 
Yeah, when um, when businesses get together or decide to make a product, then that's really where society or he says that's where movements happen. You know, movements. so yeah, you know, if you look at the movement of the internet, you know, the internet was around for ten years before somebody took it and ran with it. You know, um, the technology to build an iPhone was around. The technology to build a iPod was around before Apple took it and ran with it and actually created now a whole different way we experience technology because of that, right? So um, people were making electric cars before Tesla did, you know? And it's it's the ability for somebody to take that product to make it mean something, enough something that somebody will exchange money, the value that they've worked hard to create in their life for it, that then does better in the world because of it, that really makes that difference. So uh, I'd like you, uh, Ryan, to share that story that you talked about at uh, ThreadX about comparing the growth of coffee with yeah, what coffee you know is. What I'm talking about. So I love coffee. I love coffee. Uh, it's it's kept me alive the last two years through this. Um, so you guys like coffee? Love coffee. <laughs> all right. So God bless coffee. Yeah. First of all. Secondly, um, if you look at coffee and what we pay for coffee today, the experiences that we have coffee because of because of uh, what we pay for it, people that serve it to us, the supply chain. If you look at fairtrade.org, coffee is all over the place. Like hundreds of co- companies vetted, certified, great, good working conditions, good environmental friendly practices. Forty years ago, thirty years ago, this was like it was come. It was Folgers in your cup. It was. You buy a coffee at a gas station for 80 cents in a styrofoam cup. It tastes like crap. Uh, it's worth nothing. It costs nothing. It's not environment. It's none of that's in there. And so Starbucks comes around and says, we're going to make a better cup of coffee. It started out with a quality thing. We start out with a quality shirt. They say, we're going to make a better cup of coffee. We're going to give people a better experience. That experience that drove a different type of clientele, asked better questions, better questions, gave better answers and how we're actually building the coffee, who's making it, how much we're paying the farmers, the environmentally friendly practices around it. Um, and all the way we're charging more, way more money for it, like seven times, 10 times as much more money. And fast forward 20, 30 years later, now coffee is one of the most value-driven industries out there. We all go buy for three to five dollar coffees, we go to our coffee, favorite coffee shop. The people working in that coffee shop are typically fairly happy. They're jazzed up on caffeine, um, so they get to be happy every day. But but it's an amazing experience. And and at the end of the day, that coffee costs more than the shirts that we're doing. And you drink it in a half an hour, or an hour, you know. No doubt, no doubt. And and uh, and we drink one or two of them a day. It's crazy. So. So we can do – you take that same living way – you take that same fair trade search. There are two in the Western Hemisphere. Granted, there's more in Asia and there's more in um, other different parts of the world. In the Western Hemisphere, the last, when I looked at this, this was a year ago. So hopefully there's more now. now. In fact, we just got certified, so that's good. Um, two apparel companies, hundreds of coffee companies, two apparel and fabric there's, manufacturers. Yeah, wow. And, and just – who has them wrapped up as Patagonia? Both of them, fully wrapped. That's crazy. What a story, man. I swear. And like, I, I'm hoping that, like my wife watching the video last night, that if 
we have listeners out there that are moved. And if there was ever going to be a tribe of people that would be jazzed up by the idea of buying a shirt that's going to do all of the great things that you've described, I want to make sure we give you this opportunity. Like, how, how can people find you? How should, how should if a, if a promotional products distributor is all fired up about this, like I know Denise Tashiro at Fairware is going to be all over this thing if she isn't already. Like, how, how can we find you? How, how, where, where should people go? So simple, allmain.com. Um, the brand name came from Dominique. Uh, actually, he came up with a brand name, uh, but we all make it together. We can all make it better. So all made, it's allmain.com. Um, just go to wholesale and, and apply. It's pretty, it's, the process is super easy. Um, it's all about education. So I would encourage everyone to educate the, you know, two years of education in this process. And I'm just at the very beginning of it. So Marshall's been on the sustainability and, and that side of the industry way longer than I have and knows so much more than I know about it, you know, but educate yourself on that, the effects, because when you understand the effects of using a, a shirt or using a product and then choosing to do it different or do it better and really what that means, what every, every single shirt matters, every single decision sale matters, um, then now you're fortified with the conviction and the knowledge to go out and influence your customer base to to make a different choice that then has a better impact. Boy, and um, as as I've uh, mentioned to you at the show before the show opened, you know, we, we had the good fortune to uh, interview a B Corp All Star that also is a millennial, and she said something really really interesting that I think our listenership probably understands better than your average distributor, but. I'm sure there's probably some price delta here and coffee is a great example, but what, um, what Christina told us was millennials are looking for opportunities for their dollars to impact the world in a way similar to what you've described with what you're doing with all made. And she point blank said she'll spend more money to do it if she's given the opportunity. So education is certainly important and we as salespeople need to be able to communicate value but what I really want to make sure that people understand is that there are buyers out there who are dying to hear this story. And if you can educate yourself on the meaningfulness of what it is that, that Almade does, that you're gonna, it, this message is going to resonate with uh, a requisite number of buyers in the marketplace. And as our buying community gets younger and younger, I expect that that story will resonate more and more. So I, I literally can't thank you enough, man. So um Marshall, any closing thoughts here as we're about ready to say goodbye? Ryan, man, I can't thank you enough nope, for the story. Rock on, it, man. It's been awesome, and thank I'm fired up. I want to go <laughs> sell an all-made T-shirt right now. Awesome, man. Well, we need it. So thank you so much. Every shirt matters. I appreciate it, guys. Make it better. All right. Thanks.